hello, my name is Taylor Clement and I'm the head of school at Kirk Day School. And I'm Maria Massey, I'm the school counselor at Kirk Day School. And we are back, we're back from spring break. It uh, looks like we're back from the, uh, the always winter with never Christmas, Maria, and it's great to have you back. And so you've been gone for a few months, so why have you been gone? Yeah, well, I had a son uh, in, on January 2nd, so he is a fresh three months. Um, his name's Tucker. And he's doing great. He's got the biggest cheeks I've ever seen. He's a big, big boy. Um, so, but really chill, really relaxed, laid back, which is great because I also have a 19-month-old, um, almost 20 months, I guess. And so it's nice to have a calm child in the midst of her toddlerhood. Absolutely. So, there's nothing yeah. sweeter than a newborn. There's, there's yes. really, well, a sleeping newborn. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And thankfully, he's a great sleeper so far. So, Good. yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be back, excited to be back. Well, I, I know uh, a lot of folks were afraid it was an April Fool's Day joke when you came back, but there was a huge sigh of relief when you showed up back on Tuesday. Yeah. Yes. So that was very, very appreciated. Yes. Came, came back for the second day, so. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, it, it's great to have you back, and, and today, parents, we're really going to be talking about how we finish the school year and what this looks like. We've experienced some warmer temps, you know, we've had some, some uh, vacillation between what feels like winter in March as well as summer in March. But, um, you know, the warmer temps take on an effect of kids. And so, uh, Maria, let's, let's start there. What, what patterns have you seen? And, and I can speak in a minute to the yeah. patterns that I've seen as far as the behaviors of kids as they change. And they're not always bad, but their behaviors yeah. change this time of year. Yeah, definitely. And let's celebrate the fact that it is warm outside. Praise God that right. that seasons change. It is baseball and, season. Yes, let's, it is. It's St. Louis yes. and it's baseball. Let's go. Yes, my favorite time of the year. Amen. Um, one of the things that I've noticed is just like a shorter fuse with kids. So in a similar way that sometimes happens at Christmas, same kind of thing happens here. We kind of get this breath of like the end is near. And I've been with these people for, you know, months and months on end. And the fuse just gets a little shorter. Um, whether that be because kids are staying up later, because it's lighter later, whether it's because they've been in the same classroom with these kids for you know nine months, probably all of the above. Um, but definitely just notice a little bit shorter of a fuse with kids at this time of year. I, I've noticed a variety of things. I, I would say, number one, um, I, I definitely have seen a, an increase in silliness, in, mm-hmm. in general silliness. I also see an increase, particularly um, per social media. Families stay out later, right? The Cardinal games don't start till seven fifteen. By the time you get to the fifth inning, it's it's eight thirty nine o'clock, and parents may say, "Hey, we'll stay till the seventh inning stretch." So you're you're automatically staying up a little bit later. You're stretching your kids. You're getting a little bit more out of rhythm. And for our older kids, there's also hormones, and and you begin to change and feel a little mm-hmm. differently, and mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have a reason behind those feelings, yeah. and that becomes a, a really difficult thing. And so those have typically been the areas that I've been most accustomed to, both in the classroom and, and in the office. Yeah, sure. Well, and we sometimes forget that, like, the school year, as it goes by, our children are aging and hopefully maturing. Right. And so sometimes they do hit those hormones at the end of their fifth or sixth grade year. And um, plus then you have you know those that are moving on, that are graduating or maybe going to a different school. That sixth grade-itis, I guess, um, can definitely hit. And 
that can be a challenge to keep them focused and, and driven during a time where kind of one foot's in the door and one foot's out the door? Right. Well, in the senioritis, be it in sixth grade, eighth grade, tenth grade, where at whatever point of transition a student may feel, particularly, of course, 12, it, it's real. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing is, as you, you were talking about, as our kids are growing, the other thing is, is the longer our kids have been in the school building and have experienced school, the more they realize that come sixth grade musical, that is a sign that we're getting close to the end of the year. Then you do something like the spring concert or the education expo or field day, all of a sudden, you know, they're salivating over it Mm -hmm. uh, because they can see the way they're bringing the food to the table, not just trying to order off the menu. And it becomes a vastly different experience for the kids and quite frankly, let's be honest, for us as well Mm -hmm. and the teachers, and we start itching, we start talking about summer vacation, parents start talking about summer vacation. I mean, even in my household already, we've been talking about our, our dream kind of summer days that mm-hmm. we, wanna, we wanna experience. Definitely. And you know, Anderson's asking me to fire up the grill, Katie's <laughs> talking about going to the pool, you know, the whole, the whole deal all of a sudden becomes uh, in front of us. But similar as we were talking about Christmas with Advent and the season mm-hmm. of waiting, this is a little bit longer of a stretch. We're not talking four weeks. We're actually talking six more weeks. And that's a tough place for kids to be because six weeks is a marathon for them. Yes, and for the teachers. Yes. And, well, and for the parents. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, the advantage of winter is that you're stuck inside. Like, there aren't – I mean, there are exciting activities, right? But the exciting activities like the Highlander Games or the Spring Concert or Education Expo, there's just so many more of them. You know, with Christmas, Mm -hmm. it's like Christmas is the exciting event and Christmas parties. And now, you know, we even have things like Teacher Appreciation Day and then the class parties and many more exciting events, I think, towards the end of the year. Um, The sixth graders have sixth grade camp coming up. So all of those type of things like are great and we love that. But it definitely influences the kids' behavior, just like it does with us when we're waiting to go on a vacation. Oh, absolutely. I'm supposed to leave at 3. I'll leave at 2.45 yeah, or exactly. 2. Or, yeah. you know what, why come back after lunch? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, it, and it happens, and, and I get that, and that's that's part of the fallen nature of humans, right? But, you know, to, to say it in, in one way, it's there are some negatives associated. And, and I think, parents, the, the goal and kind of the idea of the podcast today really is to identify and recognize the signs, the phases of this season every year so that you can be aware as you might see some changes. But but in reality, we also know that Scripture clearly speaks to this and saying that there is a season for everything. There is a season to have the events that we have. There's a season to enjoy the growth and the beauty of the earth. And there's a season to enjoy the fall and winter and everything else. But as we do that, uh, we want to make sure that we're, we're doing a good job of recognizing the things that we mentioned, like warmer temps, being more outside more, you know, recess, outside recess mm-hmm. is more common now than indoor recess, mm-hmm. where in the, the winter it can be inverse. Mm-hmm. Um, PE often will go outside. Right. We have more sunshine. We have the silliness factor that, that takes place. We have hormones. We have, you know, the end of the year field trips that they've been looking for all year as a capstone experience. And we go out more. And so there's a natural thing there, but let's talk about recognizing those signs. So as I read those off, Maria, what are things that you would say, here's how I'd recognize any one of those? I mean, I think one thing you're gonna see a lot is 
probably a, a little bit more hesitancy, or not hesitancy, um, resistance to homework uh, and a speeding through of homework, um, especially as kids have gained the mastery of skills. I think it's very normal for that to happen. One of the, as far as social emotional things that I would see, uh, impatience, excitement, all of those type of things. Also maybe a little bit more readily bothered by their peers. I think that's totally normal and understandable at this time of year. Again, they've been in the same class, they know the patterns, and you know, when your schedule's thrown off, kids thrive under structure and, and having the same kind of expectation of what every day looks like. And for good reason, some of that is thrown off in the spring. But with a change in structure and schedule, irritability can go up for some kids. Just a, a quick quickness to be bothered or annoyed or disturbed um, or even resistant to parental direction. I think at times the end of the year can feel especially depending on what's next, it can make kids feel a little anxious because Absolutely. of the transition. So if you're transitioning into high school or um, Westminster or any other, you know, seventh grade on school, any middle school, there's excitement with that, but there's also this, I'm gonna be a small fish in a big pond and I'm gonna be in a place with new teachers, new friends, kind of the security that I've known is changing. Well, and let's let's talk about that for just a second because one of the things that I've seen time and time again is increased anxiety manifesting itself in various forms. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when it comes to me, it's behavior. Uh, it is. You, know, you do see the shorter fuses. You do see some of the reactions, maybe even a disrespect to teachers. Mm -hmm. They're wanting to push their boundaries because they know that they're loved here. They don't know if they're going to be loved the same way as next year. And a school year in the mind of a child is an enormous piece of their lives. And mm -hmm. so we think about, you know, my son who just turned five years old. Well, nine months to him is an eternity. Definitely. And he has grown so much in his pre-K year. Whereas it's not the same to a 12th grader that that school year can go by, especially to a parent, right? Mm -hmm. As we think about the quickness of what nine months looks like. Mm -hmm. And so, or really 10, I guess, these days. But that anxiety can manifest it in so many ways and sadness and, and the way that our kids are reacting. And I think the first thing that I would say as far as a goal, and I've, we really have three goals today, parents, um, of, of helping you recognize these would be the first thing is talk to your child. See what they're feeling and help them express any anxiety they have because you might be moving, you might even just be moving houses, still attending the same school, you might be going to your secondary school, you might be transitioning with a new teacher, or you may have been going through a huge life transition this year, or dad may have be going through a job transition, or mom may be going through a job transition, whatever that is your child can be manifesting that anxiety knowing that some normalcy is about to end. Mm. Transitions are a hidden monster for kids. And I think oftentimes as adults, I'm not one that particularly enjoys transition, nor do I thrive in transition. And for adults, we can 
while it's challenging, we can manage much better than kids. But just kind of like we see at times at the beginning of the school year, it's fine for a couple months, and then when the new normal sets in, it's like we kind of see a peak, right. a rise again. And that can be true of this time as well, they're, especially if they're moving on to a secondary school and transitioning. You may see that anxiety start now of, of asking a, a bunch of questions of what it's going to be like. And it's I find it at times just like I think anybody else would, hard to kind of sit in that, in your child's anxiety. Uh, well said. Because it makes us anxious, and we don't want them to feel that way. And so I think our tendency can be to dismiss it or to just say, well, this is how it's going to be. And really one of the challenges for parents is to kind of enter into that world of their child and ask questions about what they're anxious about, what they're nervous about, and try and resist the solving the problem at that, at that phase. Uh, because it's not so much about them solving the problem as them being heard. Oh, that's well said because I feel like a lot of times when parents come to me and their children are experiencing some type of anxiety, the first thing we want to do as parents is solve it. Definitely. So let's go to Tucker or our own children for a yes. minute. You know, if Tucker's crying, the oh, first yeah. thing that, that you probably and might probably want to do is solve it. Yep. Um, and in our children, there, there's no greater desire to solve a problem than, than in our children. And so that, to me, screams at us and tears at us and says, please help me solve it. And I, what I'm hearing you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, is it's not really our job to solve it. It's our job to help manage it and, most importantly, listen. Mm -hmm. Listen, yes. And we've been, as parents, we're in a pattern, right? When they are babies and newborns and even toddlers, we are going to solve their problems, right? Like, right. we're responsible to solve their problem of hunger and of sleep and, of, and, and that kind of thing. And one of the difficulties with parenthood is transitioning your child into becoming more aware of their own needs and being able to even vocalize their own needs. And that can be really hard when it comes to emotions. So yeah, validating and even describing the problem back to them can be very, very helpful so that they get an idea and start to be able to connect their emotions with the situation. So repeating back to them what, they, what they've said. I mean, I know that sounds simple, but using their words to describe to them how they're feeling. So if your kid comes home and says, man, I had a really hard day and I was really sad uh, because this happened, because somebody took my ball at recess, even coming and, and saying the simple things like, gosh, it sounds like you were really upset because someone took your ball at recess, right? Sounds really simple and like it wouldn't be helpful, but in that moment, you're mirroring, mirroring your child's emotions and you're also letting him or her know that you're listening because you've just repeated exactly what they've said. Let me, let me throw something at you. The sixth grader who comes home and says, this student said something to me today and they're very troubled by it. Maybe it's adult content. Maybe it's an insult that's very personal. Maybe it's just something they don't understand or are very confused by that's quite nebulous. If you're a parent in that situation, where do you go? Take a deep breath, first of all. Take a deep breath. <laughs> Be careful not to... We have a response that's normal and natural, right? When we, when we hear something that hurts our child or when our adult 
brain and mind and world go to, well, I know what that means. Your kid may not totally know what that means. So take a deep breath and ask more questions. Well, what was it like for you to hear that? What were you thinking? What were you feeling when that person said that to you? Tell, describe the story to me. Give me the play-by-play. Helps your child learn how to process and interpret other people's emotions and cues. And it will also give you a moment to assess the situation and figure out, do I need to call someone? Did this cross a line where my child felt unsafe and it's appropriate to call someone? Was this something that we can have a conversation about and and find um, some ways to to deal with it? Um, Or do I need to take more action? Yeah, no, that's great advice. The second thing that I would say is is a goal for parents as they recognize these things is maintaining routine. So hard. And the number one thing that I think about is bedtime. Now, yes. that's me. That's, that's at my life stage. But I also think this is pertinent to family units as a whole. And, and maybe it's not bedtime, but, but coming in at appropriate time. When I was growing up, I lived in a neighborhood, and it was, it was a pretty... Um, I would say secluded neighborhood in the sense that that you knew Mm -hmm. that it had boundaries you knew the the people within it and my best friends lived next door it was just kind of a dream situation but we had street lamps and they were on timers and during the summer the goal was you can stay out as late as you want after dinner until the street lights come Mm -hmm. on and then come back inside and and that was that was a really neat thing but as soon as we got to that moment all of a sudden we began really itching for summer and mm-hmm. things began to be very different. And some of this was in our adolescence. Some of this was while we were driving. Uh, now, you know, we got a little bit past that. But, you know, my thought is, had we had the same mentality as winter, so to speak, of saying, hey, once you're in for dinner, we're in for the night, that probably could have established a much better tone. And mm-hmm. especially as I think about my children and mm-hmm. I think about the kids that, that we serve as far as our age range, mm-hmm. upwards of 12, maybe 13 maintaining those routines is paramount definitely i mean it's and it's harder for me to do that because one cardinals baseball is on amen and those games don't start till seven fifteen, and my bedtime is usually nine thirty. so it's really hard for me to turn off that game um and yeah when i when you think about what a kid needs like i said they thrive under structure and routine i think most parents would agree with that and The sleep makes such a big difference in how they're coming into school. I think that's one of some of the questions that I I always ask when kids are upset is, are they tired? Are they hungry? Are they bored? Uh, Are they they sad or, you know, Mm -hmm. upset at something? Um, And what can we do to help solve that problem? Because those are things that, like sleep and food, I don't want to say are easy to solve because not everybody's a great sleeper. Bedtime can be stressful. But something that you can at least set up as a structure and can and stay within that structure right. as best as possible and the flexibility. Well, and that's that's interesting that, that you say that because I think I think of the ways that we operate and I would say the school doesn't always help us in that, at mm-hmm. least with the school culture, because if I was to change our school schedule uh, I might have torch and pitchforks out of my office um, yeah. sooner than I could blink. But when it comes to this calendar year and we come to these these events and we come to the end of the year performances, again, going back to there is a time and place for everything, particularly as it pertains to Scripture, I go, 
all right, we still need to do this, but we still need to own this time. And that, that does mean sticking to a routine. School's not going to start later just because it's light later. Sure. School's also not going to end earlier or later because it's light later. And that, that's a tough place to be at mm-hmm. times. And mm-hmm. um, as parents, I would say and encourage all of us, you know, re-emphasize the importance of getting to school on time re-emphasize the importance of getting your homework done maybe before you go play or whatever your home rules are and maintaining that routine because that uh, like you said will be a place for your child to thrive and Maria and correct me if I'm wrong it fully limits the anxiety that might be ensuing elsewhere yeah because if you think about it again just like adults when I'm tired I'm not as much on my game Um, I am much more sensitive to pushback or, you know, questions or any kind of uh, critique of me, you know, you're much more sensitive to, to all of that when you're exhausted. And so then we're asking kids, you know, to come in when they're exhausted and tired, doing work, following directions. It's harder for them to do that. It just is. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. The last thing that I would say as far as preventing some of these behaviors particularly to our parents and I will have to say our teachers is no countdowns we all get so excited at Christmas we made a chain in our house and I know classrooms around the school had boards I would actually go and erase those but I think we get so excited about the promise of summer we get so excited about the promise of staying up or going to friends houses or just having that that freedom that, that we need and children really do need but I would say no countdowns because it's just this mental reminder that change is coming. Yeah, and that can definitely increase anxiety for kids. It can increase the excitement and the silliness and all of that kind of thing and just add to the one foot out the door mentality. And I think, I remember when I was transitioning from my job, um, I worked for a campus ministry after college and then was moving to Covenant, um, to go to St. Louis to come to Covenant that was a big deal. I'd lived in Columbia for five years and was really ending that season of my life and that time of my life. And I remember feeling that pull of like, I just want to look forward to what I have, to to moving to a new city, to starting grad school, that kind of thing. But when we when we have our focus solely on the future and what's coming next, we kind of miss being present in the moment where mm. we are. Yeah. And so when especially when I think about the relationships for these kids, some of these kids will will continue to be in school together, but some of them won't. And so how can we help our kids even end not end but transition their friendships well to where you you encourage your kid not to just toss a friend aside because well, we're not going to be together next year, so let's just let this friend go. It's like remembering that this present moment does still matter. It does still matter what we come in and do every day, even though it's, you know, April 3rd. It still matters what we do until May 24th when we get out of school. Right. And when I was growing up, I went, lived in a small town. We had one city middle school, one county middle school. And the class that I graduated with, I would say 90, 95% of us were all going to the same mm-hmm. middle school. But I remember... Um, being very confused because all these 
girls and some of the guys were teary-eyed and at our sixth grade kind of dismissal mm-hmm. ceremony and going like, we're, we're all going to see each other in like two months. <laughs> what, what's, what's the big deal? Yeah. Now, that can be my dry sense of, of humor and, and understanding at times, but there was definitely emotion being evoked. There's definitely a sense of this. Uh, now, you know, we see kids leave at different areas and throughout schools. Some some middle schools started fifth grade, some started sixth grade, some started seventh grade. And so we see this more often, but we also see that summer is also a really good time to transition for families. Uh, we see fa- dynamic family changes happening, whether that's being a job transition or move because it's, it's a good time to take off or what have you. It won't affect the kids as much and you have time to get into those routines. And so I think just recognizing that there is a lot there is something that we don't really do enough, but all the same, as I tell new families, and I've told plenty of new families that that come through our school door that are going to be attending school here next year, St. Louis is the best place to be in the summer. Oh, for sure. I love St. Louis in the summer. Yes. Yeah, that's probably one of the reasons why Katie and I were ready to move here is because St. Louis in the summer is when, as so many people say, is when the city comes alive. Yes, definitely. And and it's great. And so I I don't want to miss this as we talk because I know it does sound really negative, but what we want to do, again, is make you aware of the things that we see, make you aware of what what typically um, we see this time of year, and for parents, just to give you a few tips to, one, survive it, but definitely be looking forward to the summer. I think the biggest thing is is don't be looking forward to it so much mm-hmm. that, that you're missing, like you just said, the present that's the present, in front of us. Yeah. Because there's some really special moments that are still to happen yeah. here towards the end of school. Definitely. So what are you excited about between now and the end of school and then for the summer? Okay, good question. I think now and the end of school, I really like ice cream mm-hmm. uh, in the summer. So I kind of have my winter dessert and my summer dessert. And so it is fun. I, I know... I, big tradition for a lot of our families is every year after the Spring Concert Education Expo, I drive home and I actually take a different route because I can drive right by Minchie's and I see all the friends and families that are out there uh, and and getting ice cream, you know, and that's a night, that is a different night, that's a night, and here I'm pot calling the kettle black on this, but it's great to see all these families out and I do enjoy that. I love grilling, I love being at home and being able to fire up the grill and being out in the back with the kids. Um, and Cardinal baseball. Oh, I mean, if any of you have been in my office, you know, it's just, that is a routine that I love. I love the fact that there's, there's so many games. There's so many ways to, to just turn on the TV every night. There's something to look forward to each and every day. Uh, I, I really do love that piece. What about you? I think right now, yesterday was like the first day that I took Millie outside, um, to kind of play around in the backyard and at the last time it was warm, she was kind of crawling slash walking. And so it was really fun yesterday to see her out in the backyard walking, like in the backyard and, and picking up sticks and playing with rocks. And so that's exciting for me right yeah. now to know that I can go home and ha- like, I love watching her explore the world. So that part right now is really fun. And then Summer, I mean, definitely a slower pace of life. I look forward to that about the summer and just the rhythm of we don't have to be out the door, you know, at 8 o'clock every morning. Like we get some some relaxation time and and time where we can kind of enjoy a cup of coffee, you know, on the couch. And 
love Cardinals baseball, so I can't I can't wait for those games to start and not have to necessarily get up for work the next morning yeah. so I can finish the game. Before I had kids, I would often get up and have a cup of coffee and read, and that is something that I enjoy doing. Maybe not reading anymore, but being able to have my coffee at the house instead yeah. of on the way to work is, yeah. is, is really enjoyable. But yeah. uh, one of the things, too, that, that I do is I work out in the yard a lot. It's kind of my, my own therapy. And over spring break, I did that. I did that a great deal. And if Rome wasn't built in a day, it could have been built in five uh, on, on the way I worked for spring break. It was a blast. Uh, I had so much fun um, doing that, but it, it's, it's, it's always interesting. But summer is, I enjoy the pace of it. You know, we're, yeah. we're obviously still in the office over the sure. summer. Um, but, you know, there's a, there's a more lax dress code. There, there's definitely a, a different pace that we get to play with, and, and that's that's really enjoyable, just yeah. having that, that freedom. So Definitely. it's a good season. Definitely. Well, uh, parents, continue to send your topics to us and, and what you want to talk about, and we'll have more. It's great to have Maria back with us again just so that we can continue our, our routine, our normal. But um, we appreciate you guys listening, and we look forward to seeing what spring has to offer. We'll see you soon.